0: the chuck and bill's bogus podcast i'm having to do the intro because chuck always messes it up because he can't read so uh we're gonna just start today and introduce ourselves and kind of get into what we're gonna talk about during this podcast and basically all of chuck's terrible tweets and that's why uh we decided to do this to begin with so how are you today chuckles
1: Uh, i'm doing all right i mean i can't read so and i have a lot of reading to do for law school so that's that's going to be a problem.
0: It's gonna make it hard, for sure. That's why you have Summer Grace and read it to you, right? Exactly. Exactly. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you just let everybody kind of know? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people. This is the first time they're hearing you. You know, I'm sure it is for me as well. Uh, a little bit more about yourself.
1: All right. So, um, I recently moved to Pittsburgh, which I was born in Pittsburgh, uh, but I moved up here for law school. I've lived in North Carolina most of my life, and I have
0: yeah we can tell from the accent
1: yeah thanks. (laughs) And I have the three worst kids in the history of having kids. Like, uh, Summer's the the best, but she'll punch you in the nuts. So, and then the other two just suck. Wow, that's (laughs) that.
0: Perfect. (laughs) You tell (laughs) them. So So anyway, uh, tell us a little bit about you, Bill. Well, I'm 37. I have two beautiful daughters that are just as much of a pain in the ass as yours I was actually playing golf with my uncle yesterday and he was uh, He was upset because you know his son is having a baby. They're having a girl Uh, I have two daughters and my brother has two daughters. There's no boys so far born for grandchildren generation Um, But I reminded him that my youngest daughter is a real wise ass and if she does get married She's gonna end up making the guy she marries take her last name. So we're good it won't make a difference. That's how, that's how brutal she is and a savage. So, you know, uh, we're just kind of, you know, traveling through life, figuring it out as we go. I just love my daughters and want to take care of them. And as everybody else knows, I'm an idiot on Twitter and I say things before I even think about it.
1: As our uh, little bio goes on our podcast page, you don't know shit and I think yeah. I know everything.
0: Exactly. So We balance yeah. each other out.
1: So, uh, all right, I guess we'll get into the topic this week. Yeah, I
0: think the topic was going to be what again?
1: Well, I'm thinking we're going to start with the NFL and how, I don't know, man, it seems like they're screwing the season away. Like, they just don't seem like they have a plan, and honestly, the reason I picked this topic is I tweeted something about that earlier this week, and it seemed to make a lot of people mad, and I like making people mad, so...
0: You got quite a visceral reaction from a lot of people about that, simply saying that they were, we, you don't see the season finishing, which, for all intents and purposes, there's a very, very good opportunity for that to actually happen. And people were quite upset.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I got a lot of uh, hypotheticals, and I mean, it makes sense, and, but it all surrounds moving the Super Bowl, and the NFL seems really reluctant to move the Super Bowl. So there, maybe there's some financial considerations that we don't know about that makes it very difficult for them to move the Super Bowl or whatever. And, and I understand that. But I just, without them extending the season in some way, shape, or form, I just don't see how they're going to do it. I mean, you've already had the Titans lose a couple games and have to rearrange the schedule. And man, just in the past couple of days, what was it? it was like the, the Falcons and the Colts had some COVID scares, which ended up working out. Apparently, they're going to play tomorrow. Or whenever they were scheduled to play. Um, I saw something about the Jaguars today. And I feel like I'm missing one or two. Like, and that's what's crazy. Like there's just
0: the so team much teams, yeah. yeah so. The Colts, you know, like all of them they're getting a lot of false positives. My my biggest thing here is, is that they had how many months of this? I mean, we kind of started lockdown, if you will, in March. Right. Training camp preseason for NFL starts August, really. Ideally, full swing, like everybody back in facilities. um So that's four or five months of planning that they didn't really seem to bother. They just figured it was going to be gone by then. I was talking, um, you know, amongst, amongst people in fantasy football world and just said they really should have done is given two bye weeks for every team. One bye week is for the entire division. So, like, week four, you have the AFC North off. Week five, you have the AFC East off. Week six, and so on. Because with the eight divisions, that's eight weeks of buys. And then you have a floating week for, you know, players or, or teams at the end that either they need or they don't use. And, you know, it's it's so be it. Um, and that way, you, you could reschedule a division game off of that bye week since everybody else was off. Um, and then use that floating week to make up a bye, a bye week if you need be. Um and th- I just don't think that Goodell or anybody there really took this serious enough as far as giving the schedule flexibility, like you're saying, like moving to Super Bowl a few weeks. Um, yeah, I know they did cancel the Pro Bowl, which makes sense. It's a pointless game to begin with. But a lot of the factors is that so many people just want to treat this like it's not a big deal. And while for, you know, millionaire football players that are going to recover from it, and I think when it comes down to it, a lot of people will recover from it fine. It's the financial impact it's going to have on their lives that's going to be the major issue because not everybody has great health care and not everybody can afford, you know, to be put in the hospital in the the ICU on a respirator for seven days, like Chris Christie.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I also think that one thing a lot of people aren't taking into account is, you know, there's certain contributing factors like obesity. And let's, let's just be honest, some NFL players, especially, you know, your offensive and defensive line, probably are. At least by the letter of what they define obese are obese and you know they could have potential side effects plus oh gosh i don't remember where it was it was somewhere here in pennsylvania if i'm not mistaken or the kid was from pennsylvania it was some 19 year old basketball player that just like died of covid like it just happens no matter how healthy you are And yes that's a much less of a risk than if you're older and you have you know diabetes or other contributing conditions but people act like it's nothing. And, I mean, it's not. And then think about the coaches. You know, like, yeah, for the Steelers, Mike Tomlin's a relatively young dude. It's probably not going to impact him. But think of some of the other coaches around the league that the, are, that are Carol old. Carol
0: Carroll is not for the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, and then, you know, I mean, we look at Chris Christie. Chris Christie isn't all that old, but, I mean, he, he's a bigger dude and he had problems. Um, I'm almost surprised that friend. Trump didn't have more problems based on his age. But, I mean, that just goes to show sometimes – this disease can affect you in ways that you
0: know Nobody one knows. person Nobody yeah really one knows. person does
1: well and another person doesn't
0: like yeah there's no true pattern to it it's it's and that's why i think it needs to be taken a little bit more serious but uh you I know mean, i'm not dwelling too much into that we want to kind of keep this lighter and fun oh, um yeah. you know I like nick saban he's got two positive tests in a row if he gets one more he's able to coach Um, you know, but for majority, like conferences like the Big Ten, while everybody was a little upset that they didn't start at the same time, they look like they're full swing, ready to go. You know, Penn State's gonna play nine games in a row. Um, and you know, the rest of the Big Ten conference, nine games in a row, but their players are healthy, secure, and isolated from everybody else. So they seem ready to, you know, go without flaw. Now, that might happen because of travel and everything else, but. I think that maybe the nfl could have shut it down for two three weeks and just said you know we're gonna push the playoffs back to uh x you know x date and everybody's buys weeks and when everybody comes back everybody's playing their schedule straight through And
1: yeah, that's one thing that actually surprised me um not that the college level hasn't had their issues with covid but they just seem better prepared to deal with it um you know, being a Tar Heels fan, really early on, the Tar Heels had something like 34 tests, and I'm like, you know, college football just is not going to happen. And then it's happened, and most teams have dealt pretty well with it. Whereas the NFL, which is a, you a know, much smaller league than the NCAA, like, they just seem to be having problem after problem.
0: It's, not... uh, it's also flexibility. Players are playing for, you know, college players are still playing for one to stay in school and two for their scholarship as well as to and get that nfl contract. as nfl players have been paid so they're a little more lax with with how they want to per you know as, pursue life and i think that's another factor that people forget is that you know while nfl they they don't necessarily care like the players if i get COVID, i get COVID. i'm gonna live from it but you know it doesn't matter what happens to the rest of the league look at how the titans reacted saying that they were like persecuted for what they went through, when in fact it was their own digre- you know, their own transgressions—that got them, you know, a positive test to begin with. It's just a factor of they think that they're better than that because they've gotten paid. It, it, you know, exactly.
1: Well, I mean, it, even if their first positive case was just by accident, the fact that they went against what the NFL said and wanted to have work—like, on one hand, I get it. You want to practice for your opponent and be ready to go but at the same time like you've now been told you cannot and they just willingly didn't yep. listen to the guidelines and that's that's no good especially with something like this
0: Yeah, I mean there 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 becomes an accountability factor that pe- you know people and teams have to be held, you know they have to uh, to realize that they need to listen. But back to UNC football. Let's talk about those guys for a second. Mack Brown did change that culture, huh?
1: Oh man, yeah. Like
0: you can't I even was blame hope- not having the Big Ten or any other conferences in play right now. I think they're a true number five seed, even if we're in full swing the way that they look.
1: Oh yeah, man! Offensively, they look great. Defensively, they're not terrible, but they could be a little bit better. But let me tell you, like you know, two years ago uh, when they were when they fired Larry Fedora and hired Matt Brown, like I thought that the team would get better. I had no idea that you know right now we'd be number five. Like it was just like. I thought we'd, you know, be like maybe 500 by now because mm-hmm. they only won like two games or whatever, two years. It was like two seasons in a row. They only won two games. So to go from like a two-win team to now the number five team in the nation in two short years is crazy.
0: Well, it's the amount of commit that want to go play for a coach like Mac Brown who had such success such such success in Texas is a huge recruiting tool. Oh, yeah. definitely. You're losing players from North Carolina that are five-star recruits or five, whatever they call them, you know, to, to colleges and the, the SEC. And then Mack Brown comes there, and people don't have to travel as far from home. They could probably get a better rate for, you know, whatever else they need to pay for in college by staying in-state. You get a quality coach, and that just goes to show you sometimes, like, you know, the, the culture that the, a person brings to the team is huge.
1: Yeah, the, the, the starting quarterback, Sam Howell, he was committed to FSU. As soon as Mac Brown got hired, he flipped his commit to UNC. I mean, and that alone, like, I mean, Sam Howe is a beast. I mean, he doesn't...
0: Yeah, he makes some he mistakes.
1: Goes. He makes some mistakes, but I mean, he's only a sophomore, so I mean, yeah. he's, he's amazing.
0: It's funny that you said, too, that they have such a high-powered offense with a you know somewhat um, underachieving defense, because that sounds like Pittsburgh Steelers right now, if you ask me. Uh-huh. Our defensive line is phenomenal, but the overall once you get past that we're a little sus a little suspect there
1: well i mean i think one of the things that went on last week is there was a lot of uncalled holds and thousand percent and i mean listen i'm not trying to blame the refs because that's usually not my style um but i mean i think that played a lot with it a lot into it when when you live by the pass rush you've got to get there so if you're letting the offensive line just hold the defenders that's giving the, the receivers time to find open space in the secondary. So don't get me wrong, the secondary needs to play better. But at the same time, like, the, those holes weren't doing them any favors.
0: No, I know. When you have T.J. Watt, you know, yeah. getting bear hugged from behind by Lane Johnson and there's not even, like, a hint of a flag on the field, there's there's an issue there, <laughs> you know. Um but at the yeah, but uh, the, the receivers, uh, like everybody was saying that this kid, Fulgham, is like coming off the, the street and, you know, he torched our secondary. Yeah, because they had no film on him as well. You know, they didn't really know what his route tree was going to be, you know. And yes, while they're still supposed to cover, players, you know, both sides are professionals and one's going to excel at their job, the other one, you know, is going to falter. It's always going to be a, you know, a matchup that's going, one's going to win and somebody's going to lose.
1: Well, and another thing you have going on, as much as the Steelers like to blitz too, um, that takes a guy out of coverage. So, if holding buys the quarterback another half second, sometimes that's the half second it takes to deliver the ball. Yeah. And, and again, like I said, I'm not blaming the refs, they can't see everything, but some of it, like that TJ Watt hold that you, you mentioned, they should have seen that. And then on the long, what was it, like a 74 yard touchdown run, that hold against Edmonds, I, I thought that was pretty obvious too. Yeah, That
0: was a very clear one as well, yeah. And, and it's funny. I had a discussion with somebody that's an Eagles fan, and they're like, Yeah, well, you know, Miles Sanders torched you guys. He had 80 yards rushing against you, one of the best performances of the day. I said, He had 11 rushes for 80 yards and a 74 yard touchdown run, or 76. Yeah, whatever. And one it was, rush. It was, yeah. I said, So he, really, he had four more yards rushing on 10 carries. I go, You take that play away. He did worse than Saquon Barkley. So. And
1: it, seriously, they should have taken that play away. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, the, the refs can't see everything. It's just it irritates me when it's the, the most obvious. stuff. And another one, uh, if I'm going to complain about the refs for a moment, when they briefly called that incomplete pass that clearly bounced off the turf, an interception. Mm. I'm like, in real time, that was obvious. You know, like, mm. it's one of those things, like, if it was, like, Troy Polamalu diving and it's like maybe he got his hand under the ball, I understand why you might call it an interception and then let's see what happened. But when it clearly bounces off the turf, like, like, these refs are just getting lazy. I think they're spoiled by replay or something, and they just, like, That's that was just one of the worst calls I've seen. A
0: replay. Yeah.
1: It's, like I said, I, the quality of refereeing seems to have gone down.
0: you got to remember, that, I, I mean, not to give them, I'm not trying to, to, to give them any kind of, like, loophole here, but they also didn't have their training camps in their preseason to get ready. Now, you know, people think that they just have to blow the whistle on things that they see, but they they still need to train their eyes to pick up on these things as well. And they didn't have much prep either. They were kind of thrown into the fire. Um, I'm hoping, you know, I'm giving them, if this if this level of ref, refereeing continues throughout the season, then there's no excuse. But, you know, like four weeks in, five weeks in, now they should start being able to pick up things better because they got those preseason games they normally wouldn't have had in order to kind of you know build that that shake that rust off and build that level of uh I don't know but yeah that you know just build that level of trust up on themselves to pick up on plays that, that you normally would have called
1: yeah i mean and if for me to defend refs and this is the way i usually look at it and why i'm not normally a guy that you know well i'm never going to be like it's the ref's fault we lost like cuz yeah. the team always could have done something better to win um but the, the thing is People at home, I don't think they realize, like, we get to see the replay where it's zoomed in and it's slowed down slowed down to, like, a quarter speed or an eighth speed or whatever. And you're like, oh, my God, it's so obvious he got his toe in. In real time, it's a lot harder. So, I yeah. mean, these reps are better than we think they are. Like I said, and that's why, like, the borderline calls, like, if they get those wrong, like, dude, I understand it because I'm not going to get that shit right in real time. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. So that's cool. But... It's, it's the obvious ones that really irritate me, especially when you know that there's a linesman that is watching the line and T.J. Watt gets bear-hugged and it's like, come on, bro. This wasn't even something to where it was borderline and you're like, uh, okay, maybe I'll keep the flag in my pocket. Like, this is obvious.
0: Yeah. So. And it's not just obvious, too. Yeah, it's just, it's just blatant. Like, blatant disregard. Like, they just moved on to look at other things throughout the, the course of the game or that play. Um. Switch it up a little bit. I, I, I know nothing about this guy the Penguin side today, and you seem to have some some strong feelings about it in, on Twitter. Can you enlighten me about, K, what's his name, Casey Zero, something like that?
1: Well, I mean, he's just another, he's basically Jack Johnson, I guess, would be my best thing. But, I mean, the good news is he's Jack Johnson on a one-year deal at $1.25 million a year as opposed to Jack Johnson on a five-year deal or whatever wasn't it five Jack years Johnson above?
0: getting his yeah. platinum record deal like he was the music artist and not the actual terrible defenseman.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, as a third defenseman at that price, maybe it's not so terrible, but it's kind of like we got rid of Jack Johnson just to re-sign Jack Johnson. Yeah, so. But, I, I mean, I don't know. He was also in Toronto, and Toronto's awful. Like, Toronto hated Phil Kessel, and then Phil Kessel came out of yeah. Out of there and, and did well for the penguins. So
0: we'll see. I think that was the biggest I mean, now we all know that Jack Johnson's ice time, he was horrendous. But I think that it was magnified simply because of the amount of money that Mutherford decided to pay him as well. You know, oh. if he's on a on a million dollar a year deal and he's playing badly, it's somewhat easier to pill to swallow than it was watching him perform and getting paid what he paid, he got paid.
1: Yeah, agreed. I mean i think the at least for me jack johnson's deal was the biggest thing i hated because it's like he's a third pair defenseman he's not that good that's kind of how you expect a third pair defenseman to play you hope that he plays better but that's kind of what you expect you know we'll go back to um go back to the steelers sort of um Mm -hmm. and the tar heels like that was my point about ryan switzer that no one wanted to understand i'm like i hear what y'all are saying but he's like the fifth receiver on the team. Of course he's garbage, yeah. you know? Like you're complaining about a, a, a fifth receiver playing like a fifth receiver should. Now, granted, I mean, I know that people wanted more out of him in the punt return game or whatever, and that's fair, but a lot of people would be like, he, you know, he's only averaging like two yards a catch, and I'm like, he's only, you know, he only got like eight catches last year before he got hurt or something, like.
0: Dude, I never had a problem with him on the field, like as far as a receiver in the offense. He filled his role. and He did fine. I had an issue with his special teams play. He was horrendous.
1: Well, which is surprising because he was such a great returner at Carolina. Um, now, granted, the NFL is a much faster league, but he's he's faster than he gets credit for. I think he ran a four three or four four at the combine. I'd have to look it up. It was it was a relatively impressive time. It wasn't you know necessarily like the fastest dude in the league, but I mean it wasn't bad. So I don't know what was going on there. Although, at least for a little while, I prefer just fair catches to the damn fumbles we were seeing. Uh, You know, the muffed punts and whatnot. But it does get pretty old after a while to, you know, nothing but fair catches.
0: That's Tomlin for you. always wanted to put, like, a receiver back there on punt returns. I'm glad Ray Ray's kind of taken over all of those duties now. A lot of people were not fans of Ray Ray when the first signing came out, and I was a huge supporter of it simply because I felt like he was the kid that kind of had the chip on his shoulder and was going to get out there to prove something.
1: Well, I think he's the one that pushed Switzer out, and you can see why. A
0: thousand percent. And, I mean, they're even getting him involved now. It's amazing. It's awesome to watch them get him and Claypool involved so quickly into the offense. I mean, we drafted Claypool simply knowing that he was going to become a fixture, you know, or a a main highlight at times on drives for the offense. But to see Ray-Ray get out there and run those wide receiver screens and bubble screens that our, our boy Randy Fickner loves to call. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing Ray Ray and a Wildcat here or there with Jalen Samuels. Um, oh,
1: God, I hate the Wildcat. Don't don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Myself. I just, yeah, don't I just you put that evil myself. on me?
0: Those words. I want to pull those words right back into my mouth. Um, you know, it's just it's it's you know, it's good to see that they have trust in these guys that they're putting on the field because we need that around Ben right now, because we don't have much time left with that man that glorious man
1: yeah no agreed I'm, i'm glad that he's playing as well as he did because if i'm being honest i was a little bit of a doubter not in his ability it's just he's older coming off an injury what if he's not the same ben that we've always known so i've i've been very happy so far this season and been happy that the offensive line has seemed to be able to keep him upright for the most part although he you know He's been sacked a couple, a couple times. In fact, Fletcher Cox, like again, going back to the refs, I was mad that they did not throw a flag on that sack, but then threw a flag later in the game. Oh gosh, I can't even remember who it was against, but um, it was seemed to be a softer hit. And I'm like, I can't believe you're you're throwing a flag there when you didn't throw one earlier in the in the game. But I think that's uh, that's how things go. It's
0: get the calls. It was Terrible, like, yeah, it's, it's you know, and then that's, you know, always kind of been the case, though, like, yeah, they, there's been less, um, I don't know, attentiveness to, to, to hits on Ben, but he's built the way he's built. He's not necessarily going to get those calls. You know, he's done the stuff in his career that he's done. People are not going to always be ready to Tom Brady the shit out of him with flags, because that is the worst thing that you could possibly do is turning everybody into a diva like Tom Brady. Oh,
1: agreed. Um, That's one of the – so, I mean, speaking of Tom Brady being a diva, that's another point I've tried to make in the past. Like, don't get me wrong. His last season in Pittsburgh, AB went absolutely insane. But most of the criticisms prior to that, they're like, oh, he's a diva. And I'm like, if you looked at Tom Brady, though, like Tom Brady does half the same crap. Minus being on Facebook Live and letting people hear Tomlin call the Patriots a bunch of assholes. Minus that, like, I mean, Brady throws fits on the sidelines. Brady yells at coaches. Brady yells at other players. And I'm like, why do you let Tom Brady get away with that? And the simple answer, at least in my mind, is, well, Tom Brady's won Super Bowls. But if we're being honest, like, about being a good teammate and whatnot, like, rings don't matter its fans, yeah, rings yeah. matter, but it's yeah. being a leader on the
0: team, rings don't Bay matter. Right. Yeah. You know, and Tampa Bay hasn't won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady quarterback. Tom Brady walks off to the field without shaking Nick Foles' hand. Um, it just kind of shows, you know, true, true true, character there because, you know, one thing you go into New England and, and he had his six rings in your face and everything else. All another thing for him to be starting out on a new team and not acting like and still acting like he was, you know, uh, the GOAT for Tampa Bay. You got to prove yourself when you leave the organization you, you did your, your previous work with, like Michael Jordan going to the Wizards didn't really work out well.
1: Yep. Um, I think, the, you know, one of the biggest things is you've got to be a good leader and. A lot of these guys aren't good leaders. I, I just wish the fans would be a little bit more honest about it and admit that like you can get away with stuff in my mind because you've won. And that's fine, at least that's being honest. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that personally, but like that's an honest take. Look, you know, if you if you win, you can do whatever you want in my eyes. Cool, I understand that. But trying to tell me there's a difference between the way a guy like Tom Brady acts and the difference between how ab acted before he went insane like to me that didn't make sense you know what i mean and it's it's unfortunate that ab did go insane, insane because he kind of undermined a lot of arguments i had made in the past like what's it matter that ab tossed a, a water cooler on the sideline i promise you i could find something similar with, with tom brady
0: what's the difference i mean you you, you, you like they do it on the. Oh, Doug punches the kicking net. What you know? And there's there's different things players are passionate. How many baseball players do you see go into the dugout and and beat the crap out of the uh, sunflower seed bucket or the water cooler with their bat? Or you know, you've got guys like on the Yankees, uh, Brett Gardner, who used to just slam the bat into the roof of the dugout for whatever reason. Um, it, it happens. People, you know, like they got a vent and they're gonna blow up steam and it's better that they do it to an inanimate object than, you know, do a perfect and illegally hurt somebody on the field or a or Miles Garrett and take the helmet off the player and hit him in the head with it because, you know, that goes a long way to show character, but he's still on the field.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that just goes to show um, if you can play, that there's going to be a place for you in the NFL most of the times. So, um, I even think at yeah. some point A.B. might get another chance. It's although. Like Cleveland.
0: Uh, yeah. It's called Cleveland. If you if <laughs> you do anything wrong, you can play in Cleveland.
1: Uh, Dallas was that place for a while too, and and Oakland. Well, I mean, you went to Oakland, so yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, they'll 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 take you as long as you can play. I mean, let's be honest, though, Pittsburgh, while maybe has a little bit of bragging rights in that regard over places like Cleveland, I can remember several years ago, and I don't remember exactly what year it was. It might have been like '05. Or so, but Cedric Wilson uh got arrested for domestic violence, and he's the four you know he's the number four wide receiver, almost mm-hmm. immediately cut same season. James Harrison gets arrested for domestic violence, and Art two was up there talking about, oh, well, you know, he was really trying to do a good thing by taking his child to get baptized. It's like, no, he still put his hands on a woman. Those charges ended up getting dropped, and I mean, take that for whatever. It is, but it's like there, there's a double standard. Cedric Wilson can't play football like James Harrison. So Cedric Wilson got cut. James Harrison can play football. He's going to be on the team. I mean, there comes a point that you have to cut him. But, you know, if one domestic violence, hey, it was okay back then. And, you know, today that kind of stuff, went, you know, ever since the Ray Rice incident, I mean, the NFL is starting to take domestic violence a little more seriously, probably not as seriously as they should, but I mean that just goes to show that's where the attitude comes from, though. If you can play, we're gonna we're going to make whatever excuse we can to keep you still on the field.
0: Yeah, and and I don't know. It it just it just kind of feels like the NFL treats it almost. You know, if you watch the Bill Burr thing on SNL when he said something about, um, it was I, I, I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know how a lot of people. I know I mean we do know how a lot of people felt about it, but. He's a comedian. He says observations, and whether you agree with it or not, you know the people that seem to be offended are the ones that are usually, you know, most triggered by it because they relate most to his observation and it hurts them negatively. But when he said, uh, "White women will sleep with a black guy and then claim it wasn't consensual," oh, okay, that's, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. I feel like I don't know if that happens nowadays, but I feel like that that was probably a rather. Um, you know, frequent thing that would happen. Uh, uh, the sixties and the seventies.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, think about. I mean, this is this is a little bit different, but it's kind of in the same vein. Think about. I, I want to say they were in Central Park. The lady that came across the black dude that was bird watching, and then basically was like, oh, yeah. "I'm going to call the cops on you and tell them yep. that you're threatening me and attacking me." And the dude did nothing. Like. White women, I mean, white dudes too, for being honest, white people in general know yes. that if they say, you know, they call the cops and they say certain things against a black person that the cops are probably going to believe you.
0: And systemic racism that is fine. And I'm just wondering certain things. I wonder if, you know, like with the NFL getting back to that and like how they, you know, organizations treat certain players. One, do they look at the value they are to the team? Yes, that's going to be a factor. They're, they're in the business of winning football games. So a more important player is going to get preferential treatment over a less important player. But I also think that they do look into the actual case itself and see what you know, may have been occurred. And, and you know, in the, the instance of Ray Rice, they claim they never saw the tapes, but then as soon as they saw the tapes, they did take the necessary steps for that player. Uh, Cedric Wilson, I don't necessarily recall the case, but if his was more violent and, and, and brutal than a James Harrison uh, case... You know I think that there's a reason that you would cut one versus the other quickly and and you know permanently uh and while you let other things play out uh it's simply because you know like I said they gotta win football games, but also uh you he he gets into an altercation with his wife attacks him and he shoves his wife off her and hurts her. She can claim assault, but then when the truth comes out, but now this guy's lost his job. Do you know what I mean? yeah, I don't know exactly. if that makes sense, yeah.
1: Well, and I mean, I think that that's the intent of the teams in the league is to be as fair as possible and try to let the facts come out before they uh, hand down a punishment. I think that the fans, I mean, I, I, you know, being on Twitter enough, I see the reactions of the fans sometimes. And I mean, I think the fans are maybe more and more guided by their implicit biases, I think. I think most people today aren't consciously racist, but I do think that some of our implicit biases still kind of co- come into a, into play. Like, you know, the how many times I've seen a black guy do something and get called a thug and then a white guy do something similar and, you know, whether it's NFL or just regular life and, oh, well, you know, he, he, he maybe has some, mental health problems or whatever and it's like come on man this is the same thing like yep. you're holding people to a different standard and the more you try to open somebody's eyes to stuff like that the more they're like i'm not racist and it's like I'm, I'm not trying to say you're consciously racist i'm trying to tell you think about the entertainment that we consumed growing up the way that black people were portrayed in movies and the way that black people are portrayed my even on the news sometimes
0: yeah i'm not right. even gonna uh, my grandparents they they were racist. Like you know, it was something I had to fight growing up. I couldn't bring certain friends over to their house. They just would have, they never would have had a problem with it. I'm their grandkid. That's my friend. But it just was never a situation I felt comfortable bringing them over to. Yeah, it, we. Some of us grew up around it, and you know, and it's easier for me to recognize and accept. And and so you know, growing up, I know I made my my hand, You know, my share of off-color comments and racist comments, and I know better now. And I teach my kids not to do that. But you know that's the stigma that we need to change
1: oh uh, look i agree um there is racism in my family it's not it i can see if i were somebody else where somebody in my shoes could be like no my family's not racist because i think again it's mostly implicit biases my mom like i mean she she you know she clearly knows who i married she clearly knows what my kids look like she she actually a lot of times speaks out against racism but every now and then, because she was born in the early 50s, mm-hmm. her views growing up kind of come out. And I don't, you know, I mean, I don't think it's a conscious thing, and I don't think that she's consciously racist. But I mean, that's the kind of things that go on. So, I mean, it, people need to start trying to take account for that. I try to, when I think I can win the argument, I well, maybe that's the wrong word. When I think I can kind of persuade her. I'll mention when she does something like that. And when I think that I can't persuade her, sometimes I keep my mouth shut just to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that's almost contributing to it, though. You know what I mean? Correct,
0: yeah. But it's also your mother. It's a tough situation to to try and and put out and extinguish.
1: Yeah, and another thing I can relate to in, in regards to that, I mean, it has nothing to do with racism, but I used to be super homophobic. Like, you know, growing up in the 90s, being gay was wrong. And I've had admitting that like I've had people be like well you're a terrible person and I'm like I was probably a terrible person in like 1993 that's fine I don't feel like I'm a terrible person now because I've learned from my mistakes yeah. you know what I'm saying like and, and I think that's the thing that's another thing about today people don't give other people an opportunity to learn from their mistakes like if it's last week and you drop an in bomb okay it's probably a little too early for you to have learned from your mistake But if you dropped an n-bomb back in 1993 like i'm not really gonna hold that against you as long as that's not who you are today you
0: know what i mean Yeah. yeah no growing up you know there's how many different homophobic slurs were thrown out and it wasn't even necessarily trying to be you know detrimental or degrading to you know their life choices especially me growing up i never viewed um somebody that was homosexual as you know, wrong. It was always different to me or weird. You know, weird would probably be the word that I would describe it because I didn't understand it, but I didn't care. And, and that all kind of, that's why it was such a confusing, you know, like my grandparents would tell me certain things about certain races. But if, you know, our cousin came out gay, no problem. We're going to accept that. And it's, why isn't that the same across the board? But, uh, you, know, you still, we would still drop certain words that I'm not going to repeat now because i don't even right. like the sound of them um you know that you're playing your buddies in video games and you're just gonna throw that word out there and you're gonna say it, you know and it's it was just something that you know it was ingrained in you is just it was just something to, to call your friends to to insult them it wasn't necessarily trying to you know like the n-word um it has a long-standing history that you know that's one of the reasons we don't use it it's just not it's not a correct word it shouldn't be common common terminology anymore um but it is, you know, and, and some people won't let the word die. And that's 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 the issue that we fight and we face every day with the kids.
1: Yeah, I don't know if the difference is that I'm a couple years older than you or that I grew up in the South or it might even be military experience, because when I first served in the military, it was under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. But um, I would say that, yeah, some of the times it wasn't anything about trying to like insult gay people in, in any way, shape or form, but sometimes it, it really was. Um, like, we did view being gay as wrong, and it took me a long time to, like, really get over that. It's just, And it was just the simplest thing. I was thinking one day, and I'm like, gay people are just like me, but they like the same sex instead of the opposite sex. Why can't they have the same rights as me? Why aren't they the same? And I was like, oh, my God, I'm like, I've been such an asshole for my whole life. What the hell is wrong with me? You know?
0: So. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I always see it And that's how I see it now like That's what makes them happy Awesome You know, like, you're not offending me You're not hurting me in any way, shape, or form um, You know You're happy We can have a good time, we can hang out We can bust balls, we can joke around, we can have some drinks You want to hold your boyfriend's hand You want to hold your girlfriend's hand So be it, you know, you want to make out with them. Yeah, I mean, leave it leave it, that's about to the extent that I need to see in public for anybody straight or gay. Um, but you know like that's that's. I'm happy you're happy cuz then you can actually be more comfortable and be yourself and that's what I kind of want to see going on in the world. So, you know, Chuck if you need to come out to me it's okay.
1: <laughs> no, I, I don't personally, but um
0: <laughs> I, mean, I think it's
1: important and I think it's one thing that people overlook is you got to be willing to be friends with whoever you know what I mean? Like if they're cool, just be their friend. And that's honestly what changed my mind about a lot of things. Like I had a lesbian friend in the army, um, and this was still under "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." And it's like, wait a minute, she's just like me, except she's a girl that likes girls. So who cares, you know? And you guys then have I have more to
0: talk about. You both like girls.
1: Yeah, there you go. And then um, I had a transgendered friend in at Carolina actually, and um, not that I was particularly like transphobic before but like it helped me understand a little bit better because i i knew this girl when she was not a girl mm-hmm. and when she wasn't a girl she wouldn't talk to anybody and then when she went through her transition and she came back and had a different name and she's a girl like at first i really was like oh my god this is kind of weird because you were a dude
0: yeah, i feel like you're to feel not. that but you didn't right. shut her out
1: but then she she came up and she talked to me yeah. and like when she was a dude, she never talked to me. She just seemed so much more comfortable. And then it made sense to me. I'm like, I get it. Like even though I don't really get it, like I get it. You weren't comfortable before, but now you clearly are because you're out there making friends and that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like you don't have to understand what they went through. Like I I I would probably never understand it, but you know what? You seem like you're much more approachable and happy now. So let's yeah. you know, let's enjoy ourselves.
1: So, so that would be my advice to people out there. Just like Anyone is willing to be your friend, be friends with them, and then you'll learn a lot. Because there's a lot of, like going back to, to racism, there's a lot of people these days that'll be like, well, I have a black friend, and in my mind, I'm like, do you really have a black friend or do you sit next to a guy, you know? Yeah, do you know over? Like, because that's not the same. If you haven't had this person over mm-hmm. to your house or you haven't been over to their house, like, y'all probably aren't friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you've never eaten a meal together, like even just to go out to a restaurant or something, y'all probably aren't friends. It's
0: just some guy. So, uh, we're kind of hitting our mark here. So, you know, I think this was a great first episode. Uh, I like how, you know, we were able to uh, openly discuss certain things. We got, I feel like, from one end of the spectrum to the other. We didn't give Freckles the bear on to give us the uh, whatever he said he was going to say to all the hoes. So, (laughs) we're sorry. Sorry, bear. You'll get on soon. Um, Uh, We'll have him on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'm hoping to get a few of the different Twitter people out there in the, in the universe on here, you know, from Craig to, I mean, if he wants to come on, we'll put Hayek and Hockey on and see if his tweets are as bad as his, as his, as his talking. Well, he we'll really want to come on,
1: though, because we're on Skype, and, like, know. I can see your face right now, and he doesn't like to show his face, so, I mean, oh, we'll see.
0: I mean, it's very simple. We, he just turns his camera off.
1: Yeah, true. It is kind of yeah. weird trying to talk to a blank screen, though.
0: Yeah, if we keep our hours on, you know, it's fine. It is what it is there. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, kind of figuring this, this whole format out, this podcast and thing out and talking things out. And hopefully more people will interact with us online and, and tell us what they want to hear us discuss. Because like you said, you know a lot more than I do. And I like to pretend like I know a lot, but I really know nothing. Um, and we can have some good counterbalance there and, you know, kind of figure things out as people bring them up to us. So. Yeah, sounds maybe good. We'll get Mel, maybe we'll get Mel, and her batter baking company to sponsor us.
1: Yeah. Sounds like an idea. Um yeah, I'm going to try to get this published today so that it's still kind of current cuz we you know, we haven't uh the Steelers haven't played yet cuz that's still tomorrow. In fact, my Tar Heels haven't played yet and I'm going to try to get this published before the Tar Heels play, which is in about an hour and 45 minutes. So, yeah, so no, we'll no, see no, if no, I can get it out but... your
0: chops earlier when you asked me what time you wanted to do this. So it's going to say 7:30. Uh <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'd have been like, absolutely not. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, I enjoyed this.
0: this. I enjoyed it, yeah.
1: And uh, hopefully this becomes a weekly thing. So if y'all are checking us out, same bat time, same bat channel next week.
0: Yeah, we're not going to say that whole subscribe, record, whatever, download thing nonsense. Just uh, make sure Chuck gets money so he can read better.
1: Yeah, I I need to go to that school where you can learn to read good and stuff. (laughs) All right, man, I'll I'll see you.
0: That's good. Bye-bye.